0: Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world, with Ani Abadissian, the Suburban Shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini Three parts spirit One part rational mind Add two drops of optimism Give it all a good hard shake and pour Dress it with the olives of grace and empathy Sip slowly, sit back Contemplate the wonder of cosmic creation Yum, that's good stuff right there I'm going to have a sip Somebody asked me the other day, are you really drinking a martini when you're doing metaphysical martini? Well, yes, I am. It wouldn't be martini if it wasn't with a martini. So there you go. Very nice. You probably noticed that, you know, by the end of the show, when I finished my martini, I'm a little bit more animated. Uh, And there you are, folks, proof that I'm actually drinking a martini. Well, hey, everyone. Hello. Thanks for joining me for another round of Cosmic Cocktails as we try to sort out what's true what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo in today's mad, mad little world. It's a little madder than usual, I think. Every day is another shade of craziness, but that's what physical incarnations are all about. You know, we're supposed to be having fun with all of this, by the way. It's not supposed to be all drama and craziness and madness. We're supposed to look at all the craziness and the madness that we've created and go... Oh my god, we've created craziness and madness. Let's do something about it. Let's bring it back into alignment. So, as bad as things seem, I think that because the poop has hit the pavement, so to speak, we're going to get better because people are seeing the light. They're seeing in the light, they're seeing the craziness. So, let's take a look at my notes because I do tend to waffle on and get distracted. What's been on people's minds the last couple of weeks since we met? What tales of magic, mayhem have walked through my door since we met a couple of weeks ago? Well, you know, I've got to say, it's a bit of a mixed bag, really, with no clear winner. But uh, one thing I have noticed is a distinct sense of, dare I say it, civic participation. People have come to the realisation that citizenship is not a spectator sport. And if you treat it as such, you'll wake up one day to find that someone has taken over the game and rewritten all the rules. Fancy that. Ring a bell, anyone? If I'm honest, if I'm honest, and, you know, I am... (laughs) I've had more people book sessions with me in the last couple of weeks to discuss current events, such as the Jeffrey Epstein incident, than have actually come in for energy work or spiritual counselling. And that's a good thing. It's good on many levels. It's good one because, well, I get to sit down instead of stand up. That's always good. But it's really good because the Epstein thing is huge. And it's huge because pretty much no one believes he committed suicide. And people are openly mocking the mainstream narrative. You know, even the mainstream narrative is mocking the mainstream narrative. I mean, you know, um, the media usually stand by their story and perhaps they'll put in a little hint of perhaps this isn't what it is. But they're still very much the propaganda arm of the establishment. This time, they are mocking their own narrative. And when that happens, I think we begin to see the establishment's well-polished veneer of uh, engineered truth start to crack. And people, where there's a crack, the light pours in. And in that illumination, we see everything that was hidden in plain view for such a very, very long time. Now, that can be a bit of a shock for most at first. You think it's a dream, you know, the American dream, for example. But somewhere along the line you find out it's actually a nightmare. And then people like me tell you Yes, you're right, but you know it's okay, just take a deep breath, acknowledge what has happened, and together we can write a new story. It is totally doable, of course, but not as easy as it sounds. Well first of all first of all, we have to make peace with being duped. We have to come to terms with the fact that we unconsciously, perhaps, gave away our individual and tribal sovereignty. And that brings up all sorts of emotions, doesn't it? Emotions like anger and shame and bitterness and resentment. And while we're dealing with all of that, well, If we do deal with all of it, then we have to grieve the time we lost living as bit players in someone else's story. And then we have to regroup and then we have to take back our power. You know, it's difficult having been asleep for a very, very long time to wake up that life happened without you. So, but it's okay. It really is okay because if we can manage that, and why wouldn't we be able to manage that? After all, we are cosmic space adventurers, for Pete's sake. Magnificent manifestations of supreme cosmic intelligence. If we can manage that, we become legends in our own universe. Fancy that. I like the idea of that. Elders from other planets will send the best and brightest to study with us. "'Go to Earth,' they will say. "'They too were once lost in the darkness, "'the population no more than meat-covered artificial intelligence "'controlled by a handful of reptilian-brained sociopath scumbags. "'They awakened, the Earthlings, they awakened. "'They remembered their true selves. "'They asked Creator to illuminate their souls "'and lead them into a new golden age. "'They were so lost in the material world, "'it was Fifty Shades of Pathetic. "'But they did it.' And they can help us do the same. Well, I know I'm getting a little carried away with that. Perhaps you should give me a tent and let me have my Pentecostal experience. But I'm so full of hope and optimism for the world. What am I supposed to do? Anyway, regroup, Arnie. Back to the Epstein thing. Jeffrey Epstein, a favoured servant of aforementioned reptilian brain sociopath Scumbags. A perfect example of all things hidden in plain view. He had previous convictions by the way for sexual abuse but you know but he got away with them with, with what amounts to a few slaps on the wrist and he probably enjoyed that because he's probably into a bit of bondage. Big money, big money buys big lawyers and probably big judges. Why I consider the Epstein affair important for collective awakening is not so much about the man himself but what he represents and also how it's been downplayed and covered up by the establishment and its mind-controlled minions in all areas of society. Because the world controllers control the entire world. There isn't one aspect of our lives that isn't controlled by them, which is why it's so important that we reclaim our minds, because there's a propaganda campaign out for that as well, and has been for quite a while. Let's review some of the language commonly used to describe sexual abuse by the rich and powerful. And let's not forget that this includes God, here we go, my favourite subject The clergy of the Catholic Church Who have perpetrated these atrocities for generations And done so in the name of God Terms that we read in the papers Sexual abuse Sex with minors Sex with underage girls and boys Sex with underage prostitutes It sounds like something pretty tame, I think, for the most part. Sex with a minor really means you are raping someone not yet mature enough to understand the act, let alone the consequences of the act. It's not sex with a minor. It's raping a child. Penetrating a child's vagina or anus with your penis or some other implement. Now, I apologise if that sounds offensive to you, but imagine how offensive it is to the child. I'd like to see us change the language we use to describe this sort of thing, because I believe it will help us to put an end to it sooner than later. Anyone remember George Carlin, who should have ruled the world in my opinion? He has a great comedy skit on this. It's on the correct use of euphemisms. He describes how shell-shock was downgraded to battle fatigue, and then to post-traumatic stress disorder. World War I, men and women came back with shell shock, literally shocked from being stuck in trenches, shells exploding all around them. One minute they're talking to their mate in the trench, the next minute his head's been blown off. It was shell shock, and shell shock describes the shock, describes what you're going through. Once it's downgraded to battle fatigue, well, battle fatigue, it sounds like, oh, yeah, there was this war, right? And, um, yeah, we all went and uh, we got tired. Yeah, it was a tiring war. So we got battle fatigue. Hmm. Right. It just doesn't really do it, does it? And then later on, they they changed that to post-traumatic stress disorder. So it's just we went to war, you know, and yes, it was stressful. You know how wars are stressful, Um, but it's post-traumatic. So it happened already. So we're not really experiencing. It's just sort of some sort of memory that comes back. You, You get my meaning? We have to be careful with euphemisms. So, for example, one of the things we hear a lot, uh, especially in my line of work, unfortunately, things like, the priest interfered with young Billy. Uh, Doesn't necessarily have to be an Irish priest, by the way, I just fancied doing the Irish accent badly. What actually happened was this. The priest sodomized young Billy and then told Billy to put his mouth on the priest's genitals. And then told him never to say anything to anyone ever again because the priest is God's representative. And no one questions God, therefore, no one questions the priest. That, my darlings, is mind control at its finest. It's not a frequency transmitted from a CIA black ops lab somewhere underneath the California desert. It's generational indoctrination on pain of more pain and even death, pure and simple. And I know some of you who are listening to this are uh, a uh, uh, younger generation and think, well, surely this sort of thing doesn't happen. It's been happening for a very, very, very long time. And we've been screaming about it for a very long time. But somehow or another, people have been told it's not happening even while it is happening. That's indoctrination. Now, just to show that it's not all about the Catholic Church with me, um, put yourself in the position of a young orphan, Perhaps someone who's run away from home. They're frightened, vulnerable, feeling unloved, nowhere safe to sleep, um, not good food, all that sort of stuff. Now imagine being approached by one of Epstein's recruiters, specially trained to quite literally charm the pants off you. They take you in, treat you well, give you comfortable lodgings, good food, and suddenly people are showing kindness and... Once you're relaxed and feeling safe, when they think the time is right, they will tell you exactly what they want in return. Something along the lines of, hey, we're going to have a party, and my guests are really important people, and that one over there thinks you are so darn cute, why don't you go over and talk to him? Because, you know, maybe it's time for you to repay the kindness we have shown you. If you're 13 or 14 years old, you don't have the life experience to cope with that. As a spiritual counsellor, I have dealt with many, many such cases over the years, far too many. Children damaged, mostly beyond repair, by systematic sexual abuse. And that includes outright Luciferian rituals. For any of you who believe that that doesn't happen... Um, you're not really aware of what's going on. And the Luciferian rituals are rituals that are done by the rich and famous because they don't co-create with Creator. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing these horrendous, heinous acts. They believe that they can build their own world uh, modeled on Lucifer's great experiments uh, you know, of your so these rituals happen at the hands of clergy and at, you know, at the hands of the likes of Epstein and all of the people that we call the elite that aren't elite. They're actually scumbags. They procure children for the rich and the powerful worldwide. And they do horrific things to them and with them. And I do hope, I really do hope that the White Hats move forward with a grand expose of those involved because I know they're planning that. And if they do, everybody out there, Please get ready to have another illusion shattered because the names on that list will turn your perceptions upside down. I know we don't like to talk about these things. It makes us very uncomfortable, doesn't it, that there's something wrong with our world. There's a lot wrong with our world, and most of it is happening at the top 1% of it. So again, let's put on our big people panties and take a look at what's going on. And let's put a stop to it. When you break a child in this manner, you have shattered their trust in mankind. That's why they do it. That child now will grow up to be an adult, but they'll have no safety zone. They're forever lost. And they may never discover the means to heal themselves. And of course, all of that is by design, because the 1% know if you break it, you own it. I've talked about pedophile rings for decades. People dismissed it as just another conspiracy theory. Oh, that gets old. You know, that really gets old. Anyway, let's hope that changes now with the Epstein expose. And thank God for people who have retained their sovereignty and used their critical thinking skills to theorize. Thus far, it has been a long, dry and lonely road. But we hope to have a few more of you join us on that road. It's just awareness, people. We're asking you to be Aware, We're not asking you to take out your guns and go attack these people. Please don't do that. We're just asking you to open your eyes. Final word on Epstein, because um, this is getting dark and I'm going to need more martini. People say, Arnie, is he really dead? Well, there's a lot of information around that, because um, let me just take a sip of my martini. I'm getting a little dry here. Mm-hmm. A little bit too much, too much olive juice in that one. So there's a lot of information. Mediums are saying, yes, he's on the other side. Mediums are saying, no, he's not on the other side. I guess to a point you just don't know how much to trust. Um, I, I guess, you know, they can't locate him on the other side. Well, a few words on that. Heaven, as we call it, which really is Earth's other side, and it is all about unconditional love. It has many levels And the lower realms are forbidden to most, and with good reason. I can speak with some authority on this, because unfortunately I have have access to those realms, as my work takes me there from time to time, unfortunately, but it does. And my information is that he is contained in those realms, pending, well, I suppose pending enough awareness to qualify for rehab. So, lucky he's not on the other other side, because there is a holding cell realm for those who will probably never be able to access their divine spark while in physical form. Uh, that's a little softball-sized world uh, near heaven, where it's very, very dense, and sociopath scumbags are contained there and beamed light until such time as creator, not god of the universe, but almighty creator source one i am takes them and reabsorbs them into its uncreated mass okay well that was a a little light-hearted banter there wasn't it um let's do q a questions and answers because really that's what this program is all about so just keep uh you know keep sending me your questions do you have questions about life, the universe, and everything in between? Are you just as confused about it as I am? Well, folks, let's share the confusion. Send your questions to Arnie at com, or by snail mail to Cosmic Arnie P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, USA. Because, people, that's where I live these days. All right, papers, papers. Where are my papers? Ah, papers, yes. All right, our first question comes from Gwen, who lives in Manitoba. Ooh, that's Prairie County, isn't it? That's where Lorena McKennett, the musician, comes from. I'd love to visit one day. Anyway, Gwen says, Arnie, my husband and I have been reading about alternative agendas and shadow government for some time now, and although happy to be waking up, we are alarmed but not panicked. Gordy, my husband, recently read a piece on Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030, and we wondered what your take on it is. Is it really about sustainable development? I'm beginning to think this isn't going to be a light-hearted show, so I'll try to interject some laughs somewhere in the middle of this. Well, uh, Gwen and Gordy, let me think about this. Um, Is it about sustainable development, Uh, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030? I think this all started in the early 1990s. Um, Well, it depends on who you want to sustain and what you want to develop, I suppose. There's a lot to it. Um, I'll break it down into bullet points. It's a complex issue. We could easily devote the whole session to it, but I don't want to do that. I'll start by saying it is United Nations, so of course it's New World Order or One World Government. So of course we're concerned by anything that reeks of fascism and totalitarianism. Um, If I can break down the Agenda 21 bullet points, and you do need to continue to research this. As I said, it started in the early 1990s. Um, I suppose it really is all about the transformation of a global society, Uh, You know, I I always say there's a handful of people that run the planet as a private corporation. And how you do that, you don't sort of land all your spaceships and and enslave the people. You do it slowly in different ways. So this type of global transformation isn't going to appear to us to be global transformation, because even though the instructions come from central government, that's what the United Nations was initially created for to enable the New World Order, The directives will be implemented by local governments. So that hides the bigger picture. It hides the global coordination. So, you know, to recap, the rules and new laws come from a central point, but it looks like it comes from your local country, city or county government. And what this means in a nutshell, and this is important, um, is the end of national sovereignty. Now... Let's look no further than the EU, the European Union. They sold everyone this crock of poo about no more wars and everybody's going to eat well and we're all going to be united. And, you know, where have we heard that before? The war to end all wars, the policy to end all policies. You know, they want one currency, one rule of law, blah, 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 one, 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 one. And they sold it really well, didn't they? But, because it happened, we have a European Union. Whenever I hear the word union and it doesn't begin with trade, trade unions are awesome, other unions, all these global unions, it's all about the new world government. People are beginning to see it for what it is, a global establishment mafia. So how do they do this? How are they going to sort of, you know, we all love being English or British or Armenian or whatever, How do they destroy national identity? Well, the first thing is you promote open border immigration. And how do you do that? Well, you write it into law in this ridiculous bureaucratic jungle that they call the European Parliament. But they create wars primarily. Look around you. Create wars. Wars displace people. And these displaced immigrants are forced by the EU to, um, you know... Countries are forced to take in these displaced immigrants. So anyone who hasn't figured out that you know why wars are created, you've got some homework to do. Countries in the EU, they were told they had to take in a certain amount of immigrants. And what happened as a result of that? Well, I'll tell you. In case you hadn't figured it out. The culture of a nation changes, doesn't it? The native population is never happy about that because their culture their way of life, their traditions, um, well, they're threatened. And as the immigrants settle into the new country and bring in more immigrants and family, etc., some will eventually marry into the native population, and this thins the bloodlines. This thins the indigenous bloodlines. And that is a directive of the New World Order. No more sovereign tribes. And if it can't be done by intermarriage alone, they'll just keep bringing in new immigrants until the native voices become drowned out. I call it homogenized, pasteurize, sanitized, dehumanized. They'll just keep creating wars and other types of conflict, pushing immigration until any voice of resistance, notably from the indigenous population, is drowned out. And again, I have to say the EU is a perfect example of this. I was never in favor of it because I saw it for what it was, the globalization of the world world domination by the dark hats Rothschilds and the other families that control this planet now Britain hurrah wants out hurrah hurrah and good thing too but look what's happened with that look what's happened with the whole Brexit debacle the establishment has done everything in its power to override the people's vote I mean, what the heck was Theresa May actually doing while pretending to negotiate deals? I mean, God bless her, but is she even a real person? Not, not to be disrespectful, but those of you who can read auras, you have to admit something's a bit off there. I mean, the dark hats started so many campaigns in England to convince the British that if they leave the EU, all resources would run out, and they would probably have to have sex with their greengrocer to get fresh vegetables. You know. I mean, and people believed it. Rather than learn how to feed themselves, which they had always done, they gobbled up all the rubbish the big spoon fed them. There's always food. The British, we had food throughout the Second World War. The British are marginally obsessive compulsive about their kitchen gardens. We grow food. There's always food. Who controls the food is the issue. And in a globalised world, it's the central government, it's not you. European Union. Yes, let's ask Greece how being part of the European Union has helped them. What about Cyprus? Yes, let's ask a few people how it's worked for them. You know, I I should add, because once in a while I talk about these things... I talk about these things a lot. It's my job. But I get letters from people saying, we never knew you were a right-wing fascist. What a... Hello? Wakey, wakey, rise and shine. If you listen to my stuff, that's the very last thing I am is a right-wing fascist or a bleeding heart left-wing. I'm completely in the middle. Neutrality is my middle lane Because you know what? If you're not, you can't be objective. So I just want to add a note about the forced immigration in case you think, oh my God, she doesn't like immigrants. I have race ancestry of Armenian blood. I was born to Armenian parents on the island of Cyprus. Even though it was a British colony, when we moved to England very, very early, I was a baby in arms, we were considered immigrants. I come from an immigrant family. Everybody in my family has a different accent. It's quite ridiculous. But here we are. So, what I want to say about it is, if we, the people of planet Earth, come together in a spirit of universal unity, seeing each other through the eyes of source, unconditional love, absolute equality. And if we, the people of our own accord, decide to dissolve borders and merge cultures, to intermarry and to blend bloodlines and so forth, and to form a new form of society based on those cosmic divine principles, then fabuloso, and I hope it happens. But, and it's a very big but... It has to happen from our own spiritual awakening, not forced upon us, when clearly we are nowhere near ready for such unity. It can't be forced upon us by the corporate overlords currently running this beautiful planet for their own nefarious purposes, no matter how much they sugar coat it. Unfortunately, people love sugar, don't they? They're all addicted to sugar, so they'll buy anything coated. Beware. Another part of Agenda 21 um, we should mention is the plan to abolish all private property. Again, part of the plan to destroy the notion of individual sovereignty, make us completely dependent on the state. And let us not forget, uh, a famous founding father said, I think, the government that gives you everything is the government that can take everything away from you. So... Again, that moves on to the plan to let the state define the role of business and all matters financial in society. And that, of course, alludes to servants and masters. It's already started with the dismantling of the middle class. Eventually, the goal is no privately owned businesses unless it belongs to one of the controlling families. Another major bullet point of Agenda 21 is to end the traditional family unit and have the state control every aspect of your children's lives. Now, that sounds Orwellian, doesn't it? But we're seeing this today in the USA with forced vaccinations and with the authorities engaging in medical kidnapping, taking children away from their families, uh, you know, if they don't follow big farmers' protocols, even though the children are recovering and healing quite nicely from alternative methods. Now, I'm not talking about the state taking children away from guardians who abuse them or refuse them any type of medical treatment. No, you know, there are people that stick them in a corner and just pray or whatever and you know, God gave us doctors for a reason. Now we're talking about children who are healing and recovering well using alternative protocols such as cannabinoids and, oh, God forbid, making significant changes in their diet, methods we would call natural and holistic. Now, apparently, in today's America, even if your child is doing well, the state has the right to forcibly remove your child from you, take them to an underclosed location, and perform medical experiments on them. And this is happening as we speak, right now in America 2019. And I don't doubt for one moment that the people carrying out the kidnappings are receiving a truckload of cash for doing so. In America, that's called a financial incentive, by the way, and not apparently a bribe, which is what we used to call it, you know, not too long ago if you're not outraged by this clearly you're not looking at the bigger picture and the implications for the future of our society oh my gosh if you're not outraged by this you've normalized it and in essence told the establishment that you're okay with it so bring it on and this is how things happen we don't get outraged we let it slide and the establishment goes well they're okay with it let's ramp it up another aspect of agenda 21 that should concern us is the plan to restrict freedom of movement, freedom of movement uh, for certain people. They do want us to be rats in a maze following the paths that they have laid out for us. And this leads me to something in, uh, in Agenda 21, and you have to forgive me, I don't have the Agenda 21 notes with me. It's in the other room, and I can't move because I've got my headphones on. Um, it's this thing about human settlement zones. They want us, the rats, to live in high-density human settlement zones, which will all be under 24-7 surveillance. You know, Big Brother keeping an eye on its workforce. So surely by now, most of us have realized that this planet is indeed run by a small handful of sociopaths who run the planet as their own private corporation, using planetary resources as their inventory, and we the people at their, you know, we're their workforce, at so their bidding. Please tell me you get this. We have a horrendous and shameful number of homeless people here in the USA. It is by design. Now, I'm told I'm supposed to call them residentially, residentially. Sorry, popes, I've had, peeps. I've had some dental work work with me. I'm supposed to call them residentially challenged instead of homeless. But I refuse to do that because I don't want to soften the hard truth. A residence, it's a building. A home is so much more If you're homeless, you have a lot more going on than being residentially challenged. You have lost your sanctuary, your hearth. Look, I say it's by design because, well, it is. If the state wants to move people out of a certain area for whatever purpose, they'll either let that area fall into disrepair and decay, or they'll raise the rent so high that no one can afford them. And people have to move out then. And in most cases, they can't afford to. So now we have a large homeless population, which at some point, when it's convenient for the establishment, they will come along and provide a solution to the problem they created in the first place. Classic Hegelian dialectic. They'll place the population in one of their designated human settlement zones. Interesting, I think, that they call it human settlement zone. It almost makes it sound as though the people in charge are not themselves human. Hmm. Hey, but that's a story for another time. Anyway, on paper, they make these agendas look lovely. But honestly, to use an English colloquialism, and I apologise, it's really all bollocks. I mean, you know, you look down the list of Agenda 21. No poverty. Excuse me. No poverty. Oh, wonderful. No more poor people. Right, well, we're... Okay, right. Lovely. Sounds lovely. An end to hunger. Well, lovely, okay. Good health for all. Lovely. Clean water. Ooh, lovely. Uh, Cheap renewable energy. Lovely. Good sanitation. Oh, wonderful. Flushing toilets, all that is always good. Responsible consumption. (laughs) Sounds a bit like rationing to me, but okay. Sustainable cities. Work for everyone. A sustainable city, sustainable city. Oh, yeah, those will be the human settlement zones. You know, and they go on and on and on if you read Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030, the 2030 Amendment. It's all about peace and justice and equality and blah and blah and blah. Basically, what they're saying is, hello, sheeple, we can create utopia for you, but you have to give us absolute and unconditional power so we can make this a global reality utopia can only exist when you are 100 percent dependent on the state when you let us control every aspect of your lives without question oh gosh rubbish anyway to finish up on gwen and gordy's question please continue to conduct your own research and if you do so please do so do so keeping an open mind because what happens is you will connect the dots and see the bigger picture if you do your own research research and you keep an open mind you cannot fail to connect the dots and see the bigger picture you know politicians even people who aren't politicians but are playing at it like for example well trump you know they love to see us get lost in the details let's not get distracted anymore. Let's not get entertained and distracted. Let's focus on the big picture. Let's not do that anymore. Okay. Wow. Well, that was light. Um, moving on from world domination and dark hats versus white hats. Here's another question. This one is from Obie I do hope I pronounced that correctly, sir. Um, Ob- Obie Fune is from Abeokuta in Nigeria. And he asks... I greet you, dear sister, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. With all that is going on, all the evil in the world perpetrated upon the innocents and all the evil technology used against us by Satan's minions, do you believe we must burn it all to the ground and rebuild it by returning to the Garden of Eden? I have a feeling we're not going to get very lighthearted in today's show. Let me have a drink oh ooh, much better mm. okay uh, let's uh, thank you for the question and I, I greet you in the name of all that is thank you um, for that greeting uh, all right are things so far gone that it will be better to burn it all up and start from the very beginning well it is tempting isn't it I mean we messed up delete pick new characters pick a new realm and start over Uh, You know, in the gaming world, that's called a wipe. Wipe and start again. Well, say we decide to wipe. Um, What guarantee do we have that we'll do better next time around? How do we know that the vibration which you call evil won't take hold again? What is evil, anyway? I think uh, it's the opposite of empathy. So, if evil is the issue then empathy is the answer. So let's put our focus on that, on empathy. Now, you mention evil technology. Uh, technology is, um, well, it's morally neutral. How we use it is another matter. Evil exists when one set of people... Decide to show no interest in the feelings, emotions and awareness of others. You know, my way or the highway. I am the master, you are the slaves. But, say the evil masters, since you're all so very fragile, after all, you willingly gave your power away to us. Since you are so very fragile and easily broken, I will disguise your prison to resemble a veritable wonderland filled with all sorts of toys and distractions.' I will fill your world with such fancies, and you will fill your pockets with marvellous baubles, and as you do so, you will empty your minds and lose the connection to your souls. But surely, it's a small price to pay for the luxury of never having to think for yourselves again. Still think empathy isn't important? It's very important. If we have to burn it all down, I guess that's what we'll do. But before we light the torches, let's try something else. Let's start a quiet revolution, one of personal spiritual awakening and self-sustainability. You know, the establishment, they took over this planet uh, slowly, didn't they? Step by step, quietly. Try something out. Oh, no one noticed. Okay, let's ramp it up a bit and so on and so on and so on. Let's reclaim it in the same way. Quietly, covertly, one step at a time. All right, honey, sounds lovely, sounds easy. How do we change the world with this quiet revolution? Well, step one. Because it's, you know, it starts with individual awareness. Always, always. Let's identify what makes us uncomfortable in our personal life. You know, things that are in your face every day. And what makes us uncomfortable about the world at large? Spend a week on that. Step two. Define why. Why it makes you uncomfortable. Step 3. Take action to dissolve the discomfort as an individual and figure out a plan to let your community join in and dissolve community dysfunction. Now, sounds simple, but I promise you, it's more difficult than you think, and because it requires self-honesty. And that is apparently the most difficult thing we humans can do, be honest with ourselves. But if we can manage those three steps, the other steps will reveal themselves. That's how it works. When we're honest with ourselves, everything else just reveals itself. And in no time at all, we'll lose our dependency on the state and its apparatus. And then and only then will these brackets evil organizations collapse under the weight of their own dysfunction. We need to stop feeding the beast. And, oh, yes, honey, wonderful, well-worn platitudes, blah, blah, blah. You know what? It isn't. It's only a well-worn platitude if you think it is. If you get up off your arsitude and change your attitude and do something about it, dude, You know, it requires that we be willing to give up some of our bright, shiny baubles. For now, anyway. Technology isn't evil. It's neutral. It's what we're doing with it. So... Thank you for your question, Obiefune, from Nigeria. I would love to have greeted you in your native language, but there's so many languages in Nigeria, I don't want to get the wrong one. So, you know, cheers, mate. And I hope you have a very long and very happy life. And I think we have time for one more quick question. Um, I always do, the, I, I pick a what I think is a, is a short email or a short postcard, and it ends up being the longest thing. But here's one. I'm just going to pick one up. Oh, Okay. Here's an actual letter, and it's from a chap called Banayodis. And Banayodis lives in Lefkosia on the island of Cyprus. Hey, that's where I was born. The birthplace of Aphrodite and Oni. So everybody go to my website now and look at my headshot. And the resemblance between me and Aphrodite is striking, isn't it? I know, I know, I know. Anyway, Banayodis, uh, Banayodis, oh, Banai- I should do this better. I've been surrounded by Greeks all my life. He says, hey, I've read all the books and I'm still confused about karma. Can you clarify for me what is it and how do we use it? I'm going to simplify it. It's a balancing act, Bunny It's a balancing act. It's not crime and punishment. That's not what it is karma is you stack up points for what you've done in your own mind in a life experience, simple experience. Say you've come down to earth and you've had an incarnation where you were an absolute shit to everyone. Um, And you were uh, abusive to women and you were abusive to homosexuals and you were abusive to anybody who didn't fit your narrative. So... At some point you'll die, you'll come back into heaven, which is our R&R area in between physical incarnations. You'll take a look at that life and try to figure out why that happened. And rather than have to go back and do another life and go, oh, I have to be nice to all these people, etc., you actually don't. Once you figure out why you made those mistakes in heaven, you can stay there for the rest of your life, But lives, but we love to come back and co-create. So what will happen is you'll, you'll look at your karmic balance sheet and you'll go, these are the things I didn't get into balance. And by balance, I mean spiritual alignment, treating everyone as an equal. That's all it is. So you look at that past life that you just had, and you'll set up scenarios in your future life where the opportunity to correct that behavior comes up. That's really all it is. It's a balancing act to get us back into spiritual alignment. Now, you can read a lot of books on it. There's a lot of books. And if you like to do that, go ahead. But if you're still confused after all the, all the books, which apparently you are, then just put your hand on your heart and go, balancing act (laughs) cause and effect balancing act spiritual alignment and that makes it a lot easier excuse me alright well thanks for all your questions Um, really enjoyed those and I think we're going to move quite quickly now because I spent a lot of time on Agenda 21 but it was important thanks for the questions keep them coming send them to the email send them to the snail mail whatever but just keep them coming because we want to make metaphysics mainstream, don't we? Yes, we do, Annie. Thank you very much. Okay, time for a sip of my martini. It's just rapidly disappearing, by the way. All right, do um, do 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 do. It's time to lighten the mood a bit, don't you think? Um, what should we do next? Oh yes, it's time for the wizard's gizzard. Da da! A little spiritual ritual that you can make habitual. Today's ritual is a portable quickie designed to dissolve anxiety, because I think we agree we live in a world of stress overload, most of which is unnecessary and avoidable, and yet here we are. Stress triggers and the aura. Mmm, you know, uh... mm. From my point of view, when I look at someone's aura and I see the stress, I see them as little tiny red dots, little triggers, little short circuits, little blips that can be easily breathed out. Sometimes I think that when we go on a spiritual path to cleanse our auras and balance our karma and all this stuff we just get so lost in, in the we just get so lost in the magnificence of it all that we lose track. I think that dealing with stress, I've had much better success teaching people to think of it as a purely mechanical or electrical protocol rather than a deep spiritual thing because it, it can help you. So if you have chronic stress or you feel anxiety, just take a moment whenever you feel it, and take your hand. And put it on the part of the body where you feel the stress. Put it actually on the body and then start to move your hand about six inches to a foot away from your body until you feel the vibration. It's generally a chakra point, okay? Just put your hand there and take nine deep, slow, purposeful breaths. Now, whatever you're anxious about, and most of the time we don't know what we're anxious about... The way to deal with it in the moment is not to try to find the root cause of the anxiety. That's usually a lifelong project for most of us. The way to deal with it and go is to go, look, I don't know why I'm anxious, but the anxiety just came up. So clearly something's happened. I can't think straight until the anxiety has gone. The anxiety is actually an electrical short circuit in my aura. Let me take care of the electrical short circuit in my aura so I'm not anxious anymore and I can think straight. And the way we do that is we just place our hand where we feel that anxiety. Relax the shoulders and using your diaphragm to breathe. For heaven's sake, Americans tend to breathe up at the top of their lungs. Use your diaphragm, breathe. Nine times deep, slow, purposeful breaths. The cosmic divine in the cosmic divine out. Do this nine times. And what that does is it dissolves the electrical trigger and pushes it out of your aura. Um, You'll find actually that when you look at your hand unconsciously, your hand starts to move further and further and further away from your body as the electrical disruptions push out, push out, push out until they eventually dissolve. So think of it as a mechanical process an electrical process rather than this deep spiritual meditation thing you have to do. I call it release your stress with finesse. Take those nine breaths and do it as often as you need. Do nine times nine if you need to. Do for as many times as you feel that you've cleansed that electrical trigger out of your aura. And if you wish to, you can say, in this moment, I am one with all that is. In this moment... I am one with all that was. In this moment, I am one with all that will ever be. I am pure, unblemished divine potential, as perfect as the moment of my creation. This is my truth. This is the only part of me that is real. My radiance serves the divine, and together as one, we serve mankind. Don't complicate things, people. Just keep it simple. All right. That was the wizard's gizzard for today. If you want that meditation, uh, send me an email. All right, now I think it's time for a little light-heartedness. Um, yes, it's poetry. Yes, a little pat of poetry from yours truly. Yes, folks, after a hard day's shamaning, I like nothing better than to go home, put my feet up, have a nice cup of tea or a small drinky poo, and uh, write non-peer-reviewed poetry. Why have Shakespeare and literary prowess when you can have any and so much less? Okay, this little poem is uh, something I read, uh, I wrote the other day, and it's called, la 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 la, it's called There's a Lot of Stuff in Costco. Here goes. There's a lot of stuff in Costco piled high up to the ceiling. Do we really need so much toilet paper or a ten pound jar of Darjeeling? I know it's cheaper to buy in bulk and being prepared for emergencies is appealing but have we been trained to hoard, consume and repeat? Is there an agenda that someone's concealing? There's a lot of stuff in Costco and there's hot dogs for $1.50 but that's not really a food group, is it? Though it's cheap, and kudos to you for being thrifty. As I stand in the aisle with my cart, which is almost as big as my car, I just feel I don't want to take part in this theatre of consumption bizarre. Now, this is not a criticism of Costco because, you know, I hear they run their company very well, treat their employees very well. And the funny thing is this. I, I wrote this a couple of days ago. And just when I finished writing it, um, my partner called because she wanted to help bringing stuff up from the car. And she had been to Costco and she came up with this giant thing of Kirkland toilet paper. And I thought, oh, wow, um, that's funny. Anyway, so it was funny to me. <laughs> so there we are that was poetry and doing a little time check here Ooh, okay right i think it's time for a little bit of philosophy and this is a segment i like to call plato chips this is where we share a quote from a philosopher of note or discuss various philosophical concepts So today, I think we're going to say hello to one of my fave dudes of all time, Marcus Aurelius, Um, 121 to 180 common era, and he was born Marcus Annius Verus, Um, and along with Seneca and uh, Epictetus, uh, Aurelius is considered one of the three most important Stoic philosophers of all time, and IMHO, uh, he and Seneca are the most readable, IMHO, in my humble opinion, for those of you who don't know those things. Right. So who was he? Well, he was a serious young man. They don't know too much about his early youth, though, but they say, you know, he was born into a prominent family. which is always handy if you want an education, especially in, in that time. And he was quite a sporty chap, apparently, loved a bit of fishing and hunting, and uh, liked to, he liked to go a few rounds in the boxing ring. So the old Roman thing of healthy mind, healthy body, going together, uh, you know, part of his makeup there. Um, anyway, uh, moving forward, uh, it became clear... Once it became clear that um, he was going to be destined to be the next in the line for, for the throne, the Roman emperor, they ramped up his education and then they sent him to study with all the most famous Athenian uh, rhetoricians, etc. So he became emperor of the Roman Empire in 161 and he actually ruled until his death in 180. And I think if that's that's almost two decades. So if it's not the longest run, it's certainly one of the longest runs uh, a Roman emperor ever had. His reign wasn't particularly easy. He was, uh, what did he have to do? Think, honey, think, oh yes, he, um, well there was the, the Parthians, um, you know, if you think modern day Iran, uh, they were very powerful and uh, there was that war with them and that that's never easy. Uh, he also had to deal with barbarians who were constantly trying to invade the northern borders of the empire. Barbarians, are in pain in the ass, those people. Um, oh, then of course, what else? He had to deal around that time with the, the whole rise of Christianity. That was a pretty serious thing to deal with and if that wasn't enough, there was that horrible plague, um, the Antonine Plague and they said, that that was brought home brought home by Roman troops returning from various Near Eastern campaigns. Uh, not sure what it was. Uh, modern epidemiologists think it may have been smallpox, but they're not sure. But it killed a ridiculous amount of people, up to the third of the population in some areas. So he was busy, you know, uh, being emperor and doing all that. So, OK, so what? Well, what makes him a philosopher? Well, what makes him a philosopher and what makes Marcus Aurelius worthy of praise? Think about it. This man, he had a position of supreme power. In essence, his word was law, and like many others in positions of power, it could have gone horribly wrong. Think Nero. Um, But it didn't, you see, because Aurelius, he was a rare breed of human, and he lived and ruled honourably and ethically. You know, we've all heard that saying, absolute power corrupts absolutely, and we've seen it happen, but not in this case. Marcus Aurelius was worthy of the position of, empire, uh, of emperor and history remembers him as one of the five good emperors who ruled with wisdom and virtue. Only five <laughs> were remembered as oh. virtuous and wise. Uh, the other four were, oh God, uh, Nerva, Hadrian, Trajan, um, Antonius Pius, and, and then of course Marcus Aurelius. And Marcus Aurelius would have been timeline the last one on that. So if you are new to Marcus Aurelius, what makes him my philosopher of note uh, is his meditations. Essentially, um, it's a collection of his private thoughts. He gives himself advice on how to carry out his obligations. So he was probably intending this for personal clarity rather than public consumption. But it is easy to read Um, And I would say that basically it's Practical Philosophy 101. Um, All heads of state should be like Marcus Aurelius. Um, Here's a couple of his quotes, and they all get my vote, because I love this man. This is from Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. We ought to do good to others as simply as a horse runs or a bee makes honey. Or a vine bears grapes season after season without thinking of the grapes it has borne. He was all about know your true self. Intrinsically, he believed that we are good created from good. And the other quote that I like. The happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. Therefore, guard accordingly and take care that you entertain no notions unsuitable to virtue and reasonable nature well you know that's stoicism for you my darlings control your mind and hello yes someone just passed me a note that says without going into a PhD dissertation can you explain stoicism yes well since I don't have a PhD that will be easy stoicism I would say it's managing your emotions effectively so that they are vehicles for intelligence and growth not for trauma and dysfunction. That's my explanation. Hope that helps. Stoics have cool heads. They don't they're not emotionless. They know how to process their emotions. All right. So go out and buy Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. You will not be sorry. And a quick time check here. Oh, my gosh. I am so sorry, but we don't have time for Tarot a Go-Go. So we will do Tarot a Go-Go next week. I promise not to harp on about, um, uh, you know, uh, whatever I harped on about uh, Agenda 21 mainly. Um, So I think we're going to have to wrap it up for today. Yeah, I think we are. So, wow, my darlings, that's it for today. We have wasted a whole hour of linear time, an hour we will never get back. I do hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Today's real-life martini was carefully crafted by yours truly using aviation gin, created right here in the beautiful state of Oregon. Yes, folks, another reason to spend your tourist dollars right here in the Beaver State. (laughs) That would be the animal, of course. After a long day hiking and biking, what could be better than a refreshing summer martini made with aviation gin? I have no affiliation with aviation gin, but wouldn't it be wonderful if they chose to sponsor me? Call me aviation gin. Call me. I'm Ani Avedisian. This was a Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to the Metaphysical Martini Show with Ani Avedisian, the suburban shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio.